Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I am so thankful today for the mercy of God. If we're not careful, the mercy of God can be one of those things that we easily take for granted. You know, you don't realize how important oxygen is until you don't have any. And then you realize just how important oxygen is. You don't realize how important good health is until you don't have that good health anymore. And then you realize that maybe you took your good health for granted. And I think that's the case when it comes to the mercy of God. You, you really wouldn't probably appreciate the mercy of God unless you didn't have the mercy of God. I'm thankful today for God's mercy. Listen to what the psalmist said, and this is David writing these words, and if anybody should have been thankful for God's mercy, it should have been David. And listen to what David says here in Psalm 136 and one, he says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Oh, how many of you know God is good? You're supposed to say all the time. Yeah, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And he said, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever. And then he goes to verse two of that same chapter and says, oh, give thanks to the God of gods for his mercy endures forever. And then to verse three, he says, oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for his mercy endures forever. And 23 more verses are found in that chapter and every other line says his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. And I'm thankful today that God's mercy endures forever. Now I think it's important and I've shared this with you before and Maybe we just need to be reminded today of the difference between justice, grace, and mercy. Because there is a difference between those three, justice, grace, and mercy. First of all, justice is when we get what we deserve. Now listen, if all of us got what we deserved, guess where we'd be? Dead. We'd all be dead. Because the Bible says that the penalty, that the wages of sin is death. So if we all got justice, if we all got what was coming to us as a result of our sin, we would all be dead. Because justice is when we get what we deserve. Grace is when we get what we don't deserve. You and I, we don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve the gift of eternal life. But because God is a God of love and a God of grace, God gives us what we don't deserve. And then there is mercy. Mercy is when we don't get what we do deserve. Boy, aren't you thankful that you hadn't got from God what you do deserve? I know I'm thankful that I haven't received from God what I do deserve or I'd be dead. You would be dead. The best way that I can explain this It's when I was just a kid growing up in church, I misbehaved a lot. I know that's hard for some of you to believe, but as a kid in church, I misbehaved a lot. And there was more than one time that my daddy would have to stop preaching 
and call me down in church right there in front of everybody. And he would say, Victor Lane, you need to settle down. And then if I didn't settle down, the next time he'd say, Victor Lane, come up here and sit on the stage with me. And I'd have to get up in front of all those people and walk up there and sit and look at all those people knowing that I was going to get in trouble even more when I got home. And that's usually what I heard on the drive back home. My daddy would say, son, because of the way that you misbehaved in the service today, you're going to get a whooping when you get home. Not a spanking. There's a difference. Not a spanking. Not a whipping. There's a difference. But a whooping. And so the rest of the way home, I'd be praying for mercy. I knew justice was coming. I knew that I was probably going to get what I deserved, but I was praying for mercy. I was praying that daddy wouldn't give me what I did deserve. And on some occasions, guess what? It worked. My prayers got through. And on some occasions, instead of getting justice, instead of getting what I did deserve, I got what I didn't deserve. I got grace and God, and and, and my dad did not give me what he said that he was going to give me. He didn't punish me the way that he said that he was going to punish me. Justice, grace, and mercy. Now, one question that I get asked a lot when we talk about justice, grace, and mercy, especially justice and mercy, is this. And that is, how can God be both at the same time? How can God be both just and merciful at the same time? I mean, because justice says that you and I, that there there has to be a penalty paid for sin. That's what justice says. But then mercy says that we don't get what we deserve. So, So how is God able to do both at the same time? Well, I think in order for us to understand that, we have to go back to the Old Testament, to a place called the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, there was a piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant. Now, I don't have an Ark of the Covenant, but I do have a little box here this morning that maybe will help us get a little bit of a picture of what I'm talking about. No, this is not a wine box. I already had somebody ask me, Pastor, what are you doing using a wine box for an illustration? This is not a wine box. There was a gift given to me and of a ship and a bottle, and that's what, that's what this box was. So give me some mercy today in case you were, you were wondering that. But, but in the Old Testament, in the Holy of Holies, there was the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant was a copy of the law that God had given to Moses. And they kept the copy, they kept the scroll, they kept that law in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, there was on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, there was a lid. And what the high priest would do, and he would only do this one time a year, but the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and with the blood of a lamb, a perfect lamb, a lamb without spot and without blemish, He would take that blood and he would spread it on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. It became known as the mercy seat. And the reason why it became known as the mercy seat is this. The only thing that was between God and the law was the blood of a lamb without spot and without blemish. 
So in that, the justice of God was being satisfied, but also the wrath of God being poured out. Somebody had to pay a penalty for the sins, and that was that lamb that was without spot and without blemish, and their blood was placed upon that lid upon the mercy seat, and the blood stood between God and the law. You say, well now, why is that important to us? It's important to us because of what Paul says in Romans chapter 3. In Romans 3 and 23, it says that all of us have sinned. Every one of us. There's not a person in this room here today who hasn't sinned. So what does that mean? That means we deserve to die. If we got justice, that's what would be handed out to us. Everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, I love that. Yet God in his grace, thank God for his grace, giving us what we do not deserve. That God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. That's just another way of saying that you and I have been justified. He said that he's freely made us right in his sight. Well, how has he freely made us right in his sight? He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins, the penalty being death. But he freed us from that penalty. He showed us mercy. Why? Because of what Jesus did. And he goes on and says that, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Jesus was the perfect lamb. Jesus was the lamb without spot and without blemish. Jesus was the fulfillment of the picture of the type of the symbol of what the mercy seat was in the Old Testament. That's why in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as our mercy seat. Oh, somebody ought to be thankful today that we have a mercy seat that we can come running to in our time of trouble. And he he says this, he said, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. He said, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. And he said that God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Just as there was a lamb, a perfect lamb without spot and without blemish in the Old Testament whose blood was placed upon the lid of the Ark of the Covenant that became the mercy seat, you and I have a perfect lamb, a lamb without spot and without blemish. And you say, well, how that, that still doesn't really help me understand how God can be both just and merciful at the same time. Well, let me tell you how God can be just and merciful. You see, he was just in the sense that the penalty for your sin and my sin, his wrath for that sin was poured out upon Jesus at the cross. So that's where justice took place. That's why the scripture says that that's why God did not judge those for their sin in the Old Testament because he had an appointed time when all sin 
sin would be judged when Jesus would go to the cross and shed his blood. And so Jesus takes the wrath of God upon him for your sin. He pays the penalty for your sin and for my sin. Now, now, now maybe the best way for me to explain that is this. Let's just say there's a couple of guys and they become very best friends when they're children. And nothing can, can separate their friendship. As they grow up to become teenagers and young adults, one of them ends up going to law school and becomes a judge. The other friend, however, takes a different path. His life ends up a mess in a life of crime. And later in his life, he ends up in a courtroom and he is before his best friend who is the judge. Now what this young man needs, what this man deserves is justice. And the judge knows that even though he's my best friend, and even though I love him, I cannot let him off the hook. There still has to be a penalty paid for his offense. And so the judge announces what the penalty is and gives a fine that has to be paid before this young man could be set free. So there's justice. He hands down what the penalty for his offense is. But then, shockingly, the judge gets up off of his judge's seat and comes down and gets beside his best friend and says, what I want to do for you now is I want to pay the penalty. I want to pay the fine for you so that you can go free. You see, that's how justice and mercy works together. That's that's exactly what God did for you and I. All except the payment for your sins and the payment for your offense was much more than just a fine in a dollar amount. The penalty for your sin and mine was death. And what did God do? God said, I'm going to come down to this earth. I'm, I'm going to send my son and my son is going to pay the penalty for you. My, my, my son is going to incur the wrath. That's what Paul is talking about when he says that you and I have a mercy seat. Because now between us and God the Father is a mediator by the name of Jesus. Jesus who has paid our fine. Jesus who has paid our debt. I like the way that Paul says it here in Titus chapter 3 verse 5. He said that he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. You understand, you're not saved because of the good things you've done. You're not going to get to heaven because of the righteous deeds that you've done. You're only going to get to heaven because you put your faith and trust in the accomplished work of Jesus Christ at the cross and now when you come to God through Christ Jesus instead of getting justice let me tell you what you get you get mercy because justice was already poured out at the cross and now when you and I come to God through Christ Jesus putting our trust in him what you and I find is mercy we don't get what we do deserve because Jesus took our punishment for us Jesus paid the debt and the penalty for somebody ought to be thankful for the mercy of God today. Let let me just give you a couple of pictures from Scripture. First of all, in in, in Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9, you've got the Levites. 
God is, God is doing a, a work of, of renewal, restoration, revival among the nation of Israel. Ezra has found the book of the law and he has been reading the book of the law to the people. And then the Levites get up and they begin to pray a prayer over the nation of Israel. And as they begin to pray the prayer, the prayer was all about remembering the faithfulness of God, but also the unfaithfulness of God's people. Because he talked about how that God began the covenant relationship with the nation of Israel through a guy by the name of Abraham. And then, of course, the nation of Israel went into Egyptian captivity, into bondage. And they, in their distress, they cried out to God. And God sent them a deliverer by the name of Moses. And then God began to do miracle after miracle after miracle to get his children into the promised land. He rolls back the waters of the Red Sea. He provides manna for them to eat and water for them to drink. He has a cloud that keeps them cool in the day and a pillar of fire that gives them light to travel by night. I mean, God is so good to them and God is so faithful to them and God continually provides for them. But what about the nation of Israel? Even though God has been faithful, they continue to be unfaithful. They get to a place called Sinai where the law is given to Moses. And while Moses is up on the law, up on the, on the mountain, Getting the law from God, the people take off all their gold, throw it in a fire, fashion a golden calf out of it, and begin to worship it as if it's a God. Matter of fact, they said, hey, this is the God. They point to that calf and said, this is the God who brought us out of Egypt. This is the God who's been taking care of us. This is the God who's been providing. Can you imagine of all the people in the world that should have been thankful and should have remembered the faithfulness of God and should have been faithful themselves. It should have been the nation of Israel. Now, most of us, we would have probably got impatient with them and lost our temper with them long ago. We, we would have been ready to wipe them off the face of the earth because we get, we get that way with people sometimes, don't we? Now, when it comes to us, we want mercy. But when it comes to others, we want justice. May I say that again? When it comes to us, we want mercy. We want God and everybody else to show us mercy, to not give us what we deserve. But when it comes to somebody who's done something to us, we want them to get justice. We want, we want them to get what they deserve. And so you've got the nation of Israel that even though God has been faithful to them, they continue to be unfaithful to God. And, and, and if it would have been some of us, like I said, we would have already wiped them out. We would have said enough of this. We would have gotten impatient. We would have just released our wrath on those people. But notice what these Levites say in Nehemiah chapter 9. They said, but you, God, you are a God of forgiveness. You are gracious and merciful. You're slow to become angry. Oh, you need to look at somebody right now and say, thank God that he is slow to become angry. Because if God wasn't slow to anger, we'd all be done wiped out. <laughs> he said, slow to become angry. And then he says he's rich in unfailing love. And, and so he goes on and he says this. He said, but you, God... Even though you were faithful and they were unfaithful, you, God, in your great mercy, I like that, not just mercy, great mercy, you in your great mercy, you did not abandon them 
to die in the wilderness. Somebody needs to thank God today that even though you may have abandoned him, he's never abandoned you. That he's continued to be faithful to you. And he goes on and he says that the pillar of cloud still led them forward by day. And the pillar of fire showed them the way through the night. Now, for most people, they would have said, well, I'll show y'all. Y'all going to be unfaithful to me? You going to treat me like that? I'm not going to let you live under that pillar of cloud anymore. I'm not going to let you be led by that pillar of fire. I'm going to take every good thing I've ever given you. I'm going to take it away from you. And then he goes on and he says this, but God, you sent your good spirit to instruct them and you did not stop giving them manna from heaven or water for their first. Somebody ought to be thankful today that God has continued to provide for you even when you've been unfaithful to him. Even when you have ceased to worship him, he has still been faithful to take care of you and to bless you and to provide for you. He said, you sent your good spirit to instruct them and you did not stop giving them manna from heaven or water for their thirst. He said, for 40 years, you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. That's a beautiful picture right there of the mercy of God that even though those people were unfaithful, even though they would even at times worship other gods and give credit to other gods, God continued to be faithful to them and God did not pour out his wrath on them, but God continued to love them and God continued to have compassion on them and God continued to take care of them. Listen, every one of us in this room here today, we are here today only because of the mercy of almighty God. We are who we are. We have what we have only because of the mercy of God. As I said earlier, if anybody should be thankful for God's grace, it should have been David. Think about it. I mean, this was the guy that was supposed to be anointed to be king over all of Israel. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. We see him at his best when he's slaying the giant Goliath. But then his world falls apart. He ends up committing adultery with Bathsheba. Tries to hide it by lying and then has her husband murdered on the battlefield. Now if anybody's in need of mercy, it would be David. And so in Psalm chapter 51 verse 1, David prays and he says, Lord, have mercy on me. And God did just that because the law stated that David should die for his sin. But when the prophet Nathan confronted him and David repented of his sin, Nathan looked at him and said, well, the Lord wants you to know you will not die. That's mercy. And you would think somebody that's experienced mercy to that level would be a little bit more careful with their decisions in the future. But in 2 Samuel chapter 24, David, out of the pride of his heart, takes a census of the number of fighting men in Israel. Even though he's got advisors around him saying, David, that's not a wise thing to do. David, you don't need to do that. David, in his pride, wanted to know how many fighting men he had. And really what he was saying was, I don't really need God. I've got an army big enough to win any battle we go out to fight. And let me tell you something. God was not pleased with David's decision to take that census. And after he had done it, the Bible says then he was stricken in his conscience. Have you ever had that happen to you? 
When you got all kind of people telling you, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, you do it anyway, and then right after you do it, what happened? You're stricken in your conscience. And he started feeling guilty over what he had done. And of course, once again, he repents of his sin. And here's what God tells him. God says, okay, you got three choices when it comes to the consequences of your sin. And really, it just boiled down to two things. David, you can either be placed into the hands of of humans to be judged, or you can be placed into my hands to be judged. Now, let me ask you something. If you had a choice like that, if God were to say to you, okay, who you want judging you? Who, Who you want dealing with you in a situation like this? Do you want it to be me or do you want it to be humans? I tell you, I choose God all day long. And that's what David did. Because look at what it says here in 2 Samuel 2 and 24. David said, yeah, I'm in a desperate situation. He said, but let us fall into the hands of the Lord. Why? Because his mercy is great. But do not let me fall into human hands. Why? Because humans ain't so merciful. Humans are not so forgiving. Humans are not so compassionate. As I said, if we're receiving it, we want mercy. But if it's somebody that's done something to us, we want justice, right? But notice, he said, let me fall into the hands of God because I know I've experienced his mercy before. And I know that God is forgiving. And I know that God is compassionate. And I know that God is not going to toss me aside simply because of something wrong that I've done and fallen short of his purpose for my life. I've, I've, I've discovered that his mercy is great. And don't let me fall into human hands because they'll kill me. <laughs> they'll wipe me out. They, they won't ever let me live this down, but let me fall into the hands of God. It reminds me of something that David said in Ephesians chapter 2. And in verses 1 through 3, here's what he says. He says that, that before you and I knew the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, he said that we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins, that we were living after and, and, and following after the lust and the cravings of our flesh, the thoughts and the desires of our flesh. And then in in verse 3 he said we deserved the wrath of God in every one of us in this room here today because of our sin being dead in our trespasses and sin and and fulfilling the lust of the flesh and the cravings and the desiring of the flesh that's what we deserved we deserved the wrath of God but notice what Paul said we get instead he said but God who is so rich in mercy I'm going to come back to that here in just a minute. That he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life instead of mercy. He gave us grace is what he's saying there. And he said this, even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. For it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. I'm thankful today that I serve a God who is filthy, stinking, rich when it comes to grace. Aren't you today? Aren't you glad that you have a God who is filthy, stinking, 
rich when it comes to his mercy today. When it comes to his mercy. God who is so rich in mercy. You say, well, why are you thankful that God is rich in mercy? Because I have to make a withdrawal every day of my life. I think that's why the writer of Ecclesiastes said this. He said that the faithful love of the Lord, it never ends. I'm thankful for that. That his mercies, they never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. Another translation says his mercies are new every morning. That's what it means to be rich. That's what it means to be filthy, stinking rich when it comes to mercy. And I'm thankful for that because when I got up this morning, guess what? I needed mercy. And when I get up tomorrow morning, I'm going to need some more mercy. And when I get up Tuesday morning, I'm going to need mercy. And Wednesday morning, I'm going to need more mercy. And Thursday morning, I'm going to need more of God's mercy. And Friday morning and Saturday morning, yep, even on a Sunday, I need the mercy of God. And I'm thankful today that he's rich. He's rich in mercy. His mercies never cease. They are new every single morning. Oh, somebody ought to be happier than that. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm so thankful that day after day after day after day, I experience the mercy that I don't get what I deserve. You say, well, that just don't sound right. Well, you've got to understand still that, that God's justice was settled at the cross when he poured out his wrath on Christ Jesus and Jesus took the penalty. Now, I know you got to be careful here because there's a lot of folks that take things to the extreme. They'll say, well, if God ain't going to punish me, if Jesus has already been punished for my sin, if he's already suffered the wrath of God for sin, then pastor, doesn't that mean that I can pretty much do whatever I want to do and know that God ain't going to do anything to me? First of all, you probably ain't saved if you think like that. Because I'm convinced that if you fully appreciate and understand and have experienced the mercy of the Lord, that you don't want to do anything that offends him. And if you appreciate at all what Jesus did at the cross, the Bible says that when you willingly sin like that, with that kind of an attitude, every time you do it, you are trampling under your feet the blood of Jesus. That's why the writer of Proverbs tells us this, that people who conceal their sin, they're not going to prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, listen to me, confess and turn from them. Confess and turn from them. I don't think we're getting it yet. Confess and turn. You see, that's what concerns me sometimes with these prayers of confession. And so many times people are led into to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Yes, I do believe that if you believe in your heart, 
that Jesus is the son of God, that he lived a perfect sinless life, that on the cross he shed his blood for your sins, that he was placed in a tomb and three days later he rose again and he's ascended to the right hand of the father and that he is alive today. I do believe that if you believe that in your heart sincerely and confess it with your mouth, you shall be saved. But it's more than just making that confession. You gotta turn from your sin, hate your sin, want nothing to do with sin. And if you were by chance to have sinned, it was not a willing thing that you did, but it was, it, it was, it was a fail. Like all of us do sometimes fail, make mistakes, but out of a pure and a righteous heart. The writer of Hebrews says it like this, and team, if you'll get ready to come out and help me close. We have a high priest and his name is Jesus. And this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. And let's face it, we all have weaknesses. I have mine, you have yours. And he's talking about our weaknesses with our flesh. And he said, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. And he says, we have that kind of a high priest that we can come to. And, and then listen to what he says. He said, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Listen, let me, let me just say something to you today. God's not mad at you. Listen to me. God is not angry with you. God poured out his wrath at the cross. So he's not angry with you. He's already poured out his wrath. He's not angry with you. He loves you. And he has made a way where there was no way. By and through the blood of Jesus. And now because of what Jesus has done, when you, when you approach God the Father, you don't have to approach him with fear. You don't have to be timid. You don't have to be afraid. You do have to be reverent. But you don't have to come with fear. You don't have to come with guilt. You don't have to come with shame. But you can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And notice what he says you'll find when you get there. There you will receive his mercy. Instead of the wrath of God, you're going to experience the love of God, the compassion of God, the forgiveness of God. And he says, there we will receive his mercy. We're not going to get what we deserve, but what we're going to get is what we don't deserve. We're going to find grace to help us when we need it the most. Would you stand with me this morning? Receive mercy and find grace. I love that. We're going to receive mercy and find grace. Father, I'm so thankful today that you are a God of mercy. That you are patient with us. That you are long-suffering with us. That, that, that you are not willing that any of us would perish. 
but that all of us would come to repentance, that all of us would have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus. And we thank you that because of what Jesus has already done, there is between us and you a mercy seat. Hallelujah. There is a mercy seat. There is blood that has been shed. Mm. And when we put our faith and trust in what Christ did, we can boldly, we can boldly come to find and receive your mercy and grace when we need it the most. Lord, there may be somebody here under the sound of my voice today that is struggling with the weaknesses of their flesh, that is struggling with some choices and some decisions that they have made. And they're afraid to even come to you to talk to you about it, to come to you to even ask for forgiveness. But Lord, I pray right now that that fear would be gone in Jesus' name. That Lord, you made a way through the blood of Jesus that we can find the mercy and the grace that we need in your throne room. So Father, I pray right now that if there's one person under the sound of my voice here right now that's been reluctant to cry out to you because they're afraid that they're going to incur the wrath of God, I pray, Lord, that today they will understand you're a God of mercy. You're a God of grace. You're a God of love who forgives and who helps us to become who you created us to become. Thank you, God, for your mercy in Jesus' name. Can we just one more time just give God a good praise for his mercy? Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.